Hello and welcome to episode 127 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley, as always, joined by Bryson and Jacob. And after a few weeks off, we finally got the gang back together. That's exactly what I was just about to say. Finally, after two weeks, you both are here at the same time with me. And uh, it's good to have you both back. But yeah, not the greatest series as well that the Jays are coming off of, but uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a sec. Yeah, they've now lost two in a row, two series in a row. First to the Houston Astros, now to the Chicago White Sox. They've only won two of their last six games, but you know, that's okay. We'll be talking about it. Jacob, how are you? Well, you know what? It's It's been a bit of a rough week for the Blue Jays. The schedule's been killing them. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, happy to be back, Bryson. I took your advice and I've been eating healthier, but uh, yeah, this <laughs> this uh, this week has been rough for the Blue Jays, but uh, you know what? I'm doing all right, and hopefully there's some, some bright spots that we can look into uh, out of that week. I got to be honest, I'm not really worried about this team at all. Like There are times when we come out of a week like this where you only win two out of six games, and you're worried about the Blue Jays. This is not one of those weeks for me. Like, they're facing the Astros, facing the White Sox, two of the best teams in the American League. You're close in all three games against the White Sox. Really, those two games that they lost, they could have gone either way. Of course, they did go the White Sox way, but they were close matchups. You know the White Sox are statistically, on paper, in action, the better team. I'm not worried about the fact that they lost these games. Yes, there are some concerning things around the margins. The Blue Jays' offenses seem to have totally dried up. They were facing really good pitching in those three games, Carlos Rodon, Lance Lynn, Dallas Keuchel, but I'm not worried. I think it'll come around. You know, we've seen what happened when the Astros went to face another team. They went to face the Red Sox, and the Red Sox almost got swept. So, you know, I'm not worried about the last week of Blue Jays baseball. It'll come around. That's where I stand on how things have gone. Yeah, honestly, I mean, the Blue Jays have just, they've played good teams. And like you said, when you face the good teams and you're, I think the Blue Jays, we can all say the Blue Jays are not there yet. They're not that good of a team yet. They still have some some growing pains to get through. You're going to lose those games. But I think that's just how it is. And the schedule has been tough all season. I think it was Dan Schulman on the broadcast said in about a week, it's going to get easy. They're going to play the Baltimore Orioles, I think, 19 times within the next two months or something so they're gonna have an easier schedule and it's not really a worry for me right now uh, I will say though th- there were some bright spots in-, in the first two games of the series the second game or the last game wasn't as good for some of them but I saw Bo Bichette go two for three with a walk in the first game and then three for five actually in game two he was good uh, Tim Meza also he was pretty good five st- straight scoreless outings now and his ERA has gone down to 6.11 compared to 7.19 when we started panicking about him earlier. Uh, Anthony Castro also, some scoreless outings, actually four straight. So I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily worried. Like, yes, the the team performances haven't been there and they've just they've been struggling. But at the same time, there are things that have been good. And there's hopefully guys coming back from the injured list. That's still, I think, that's been on our minds all season long as the guys are coming back hopefully and you know what the, what the, the blue jays have on the field right now isn't a bad team yes obviously you're going to lose to the the significantly better teams when some of your best guys are out but considering that they're still able to compete with the white Sox without george springer without all these bullpen guys it's you know what it's it, I, I would take that as a win honestly one of those behind the scenes type of wins that don't necessarily show up on on the field you know that's one where th- they were good and they can use that as as in-house motivation to be even better. So yeah, I'm not overly worried. Team still does need to be a little bit better. I mean, even, you know, we all predicted them to make the playoffs and they're still going to need to win in order to do that, but it's for what it is. I, you know what? I think it's it's been good and it's just hopefully they can take advantage of the easier schedule and yeah, so I'm I'm just I'm not panicking right now. It the schedule is going to get easier. So that's I think the the, the where I'm at right now. Yeah, we were discussing uh, if, if it was either two weeks ago with you, Jacob, or last week with just Mark. Um, we were saying how the second half of June obviously will be a lot easier, and that's when the games against Baltimore begins. And it is kind of crazy how we're in June, and we still haven't seen the Orioles yet. So I don't know if it's ever been like that before, going back to 2019. I can't remember when it's been that long since the Jays have like played an AL East team first. 
So that's why I kind of find it a little strange. But yeah, uh, it's been a difficult schedule, and this series alone had some good moments. Or, and then, of course, it had a lot of bad moments as well. And you want to talk about the offense. You can start right away with Game 1, going 1-12 one for 12 with runners in scoring position. That's just unacceptable. And, um, you know, regardless if you're worried or not, it's just, yeah, it was just, it's tough to watch sometimes when that's the case. And, you know, they have a lot of... Uh, people that were starting to hit well, and Mark, you mentioned it good, that the offense is beginning to dry up. So that game alone, uh, pretty much nothing on offense really happened for the Jays. I believe it was some, it was like, um, it was a sack flied in the second inning, and that was the only run of the game. So that's pretty much how that went on the first game, and then um, we know how it kind of went in the eighth inning when the White Sox scored five runs, and we've seen that a lot this year, where the opposing team. Uh, to your point, Mark, like the Jays are in it for the most of the game, but then when you get to the later innings, it implodes. Like we've seen that a lot over the past two weeks, where these teams put up at least four runs, five runs, and it's way too much, and it's obviously not enough for the Jays to kind of get back into it. It's just it makes it such a big difference in terms of the margin of the score. So that happened there, but um, you know, game two, I thought game two they looked really well, uh, re- played really well. Uh, they seemed very complete in that effort, and then of course it was backed by a good outing by Alec Manoa. It was his third of the year, coming off obviously his uh, worst start of the season, probably his worst start in a long time in terms of uh, getting knocked around a bit. But yeah, he went five uh, innings and he only allowed one earned run, struck out four. So a lot better from Manoa there and then of course we were talking about people who were standing out uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was there uh, Teoscar Hernandez Randall Gritchuk were all contributor- contributors in that game and um, sorry and then of course Randall Gritchuk was one who homered as, as well in that game so that that game seemed fine and then it kind of got us a little bit better I think in terms of our hopes going into the the rubber match and of course last night again just the offense wasn't exactly there and then uh, it was a shaky start, 3 nothing right away in the first inning. A lot of us were wondering what's going on with Hunjin Ryu. He kind of seemed to settle down a bit. But either way, kind of his past three outings now, it seems to be like he hasn't uh, been as sharp as we are used to seeing. And then, of course, Jacob, you mentioned too, followed by some good outings uh, from the bullpen as well. Uh, and then even going back to game two, uh, you're, you're talking about how Tim Mazza kind of had a a scoreless inning as ERA's down to 6-11 now, like you said. And uh, somebody else who made an appearance as well who's been struggling and who's been relied on heavily was Tyler Chatwood. So he came in, and uh, I have to say, he obviously looked a lot better. He had one, one inning with no hits, struck out one, and his ERA's now b- back below f- uh, five. So that's another guy who seems to be okay. Well, I should. it's a little early to say that, but in terms of his appearance, it went a lot better than what we've seen the past couple of weeks. So that's something to kind of, I guess, be optimistic about. We know the Kevin Biggio news that he'll be back some point in this Boston series coming up this weekend. And then I believe on Twitter it said that, or what I saw something about George Springer hoping to begin a rehab assignment around Saturday. So that if all goes well, that's good news as well. And if he actually begins it on Saturday, maybe you see him back on the Blue Jays roster by mid to late next week. I think that's a safe assumption. So uh, that's also good news and reinforcements are slowly coming back. But either way, uh, it's just been a, obviously a rough series overall. They lose two out of three. And now they be, they still remain in fourth place. They're six and a half games back as we speak still of the Rays of first place. Yeah, I think it was a really good sign that we saw Tim Mesa, Tyler Chatwood kind of get their feet under them, their their sea legs a little bit more after the struggles that we've seen them have. And we go back to that first game loss. A lot of people upset that the Blue Jays had to go to Trent Thornton in the bullpen that Charlie Montoyo brought out Thornton in a 1-1 ball game, right, in in the later innings. like. But it goes back to what I've said before. Like, he doesn't have the tools to use right now. And getting Tim Meza back to what he was, getting Tyler Chatwood back to what he was, is part of getting those tools back. Because when those guys aren't good, it's it's really the you have two guys in the bullpen that you can trust. Maybe three if you toss in Anthony Castro. It's Jordan Romano, Rafael Dolis. And then Anthony Castro has been the only other consistent arm in there. And even, even Castro gave up a run last night. So when you look at that and say you have two slash three guys you can trust, who else are you going to bring in besides Trent Thornton? Thornton had been pretty good prior to that outing. So that's why I don't disagree with Montoyo there. And then at the same time, the Blue Jays lost that game because of their hitting. One for 12 with runners in scoring position. It looks like they had Carlos Rodon on the ropes at multiple points throughout that game. They just couldn't get it done. So 
Don't blame Charlie Montoya for that. I know a lot of people would disagree with me, but I think it's a bright spot coming out of this series, even if they don't win it, that it seems like their bullpen is getting back to a little bit of what it was, that Tyler Jowett is returning to normal, that um, Tim Mesa is returning to normal. Again, small sample size, but it's a good sign moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I, I just I don't really know how people want to blame Montoyo for keeping Trent Thornton in or bringing Trent Thornton in because as you said he's been one of their best relievers all season, even with that with that uh, five run first inning against the Whites or against the the Rays actually his ERA is only at three forty five so like he's been fantastic all season and three forty five that was including his start against the White Sox or his his, his uh, outing against the White Sox but he's been good all season yes he was charged for three earned runs but. He's not been a, a bad guy. He's not been somebody that you've had to worry about. Is he going to get you out of an inning? Is he going to get you out of a jam? That was just a situation where he just he wasn't he, he just didn't have it. And okay, fair enough. That that's not really on Montoyo. And at the same time, I don't fully blame Trent Thorne for that because just people have bad days sometimes. So that's kind of just where I'm at. Like I would have put Trent Thornton in that situation anyways because it's a one run game. Tyler Chatwood looked better in the series, but. I'm not going to I'm not going to test out how good he is in that type of situation. You know, the, the situation in yesterday's game I think was the perfect situation to put him in. So like I I don't really think we can blame Montoya for any of these situations and people are I I mean okay fair enough uh, there's a bit of a track record where Montoya's made some bad decisions and people are starting to blame blame him for kind of whatever they can and I just I don't really fully agree with that. Like I, I will call out Charlie Montoyo when I think he makes bad decisions, but I will defend him and when people are saying that he, he made a bad decision when he didn't. As you, like it, when you're one for twelve in running runners in scoring position, it's not the bullpen's fault that you lost unless it was a twenty to nothing game. Like the blue, like th- they lost that game because they didn't hit well and the White Sox scored late, and that's not on Charlie Montoyo. And yeah, like he he's looked better in this series. Not saying that he's you know drastically a better manager, but we can't blame him. He's not on the hot seat. He can he can move to the move to the right one. Like he's he's okay. And I I don't. Uh, is it frustrating that the team loses? Yes. But am I totally angry at the manager? No. That that's just kind of where I'm where my head's at. And and I do trust a lot of these guys in the bullpen, even though they have been struggling. I, I mean, Anthony Castro's looked great all season, but a lot of these guys they, like they're doing what they're told to do, and it's just it, it. There's a lot of bad situations with injuries and. And whatnot, and they're they're getting through, but at the same time, there are going to be instances like this where your your best guys are they're trusted, and unfortunately, they just they don't have it. But that's not on the manager. He made the the best calculated decision, and it's just it didn't pay off for them. Yeah, and um, you know when you're talking about Charlie Montoyo blaming him for that, uh, I think I could just go back to what I told you guys right away: one for twelve and runners in scoring position. What about that? I mean, if, if the Jays capitalized on at least a, th- a few of those, who knows what situation we're in, but it won't be, it wasn't going to be in the one that we were in a few days ago. I can tell you that right now. But either way, uh, Mark, I thought you made a really good point that I kind of really began to sink, let it, I let it sink in because obviously all year we've been dealing with the injuries. And then, of course, you said in terms of not having the weaponry, these guys aren't even pitching well in terms of Tyler Chatwood and someone like Tim Mesa, somebody that you've been relying on all year. So not only are you dealing with the injuries on the, I guess, uh, a bullpen that's been depleted, but you're dealing with the bullpen where people aren't even pitching well that you're used to having pitch well. So that's why it's tough. To, it's a tough spot they're, they're, they uh, they really are in. And it's one of the probably hardest things to do sometimes as a manager is manage a bullpen. But when you have only a certain people that you rely on, and you guys mentioned, there's been that island this year where there's been guys like Jordan Romano. You can throw in Dolis there at times. Maybe Castro. I mean, I don't know how uh, confident you feel with Castro as well. And then uh, somebody else, I guess, with another low ERA, but not the greatest as well in terms of um, performance. He's kind of up and down as Joel Piamps. He does his job most of the time. And then there's sometimes where it obviously gets away from him. So... Other than that, out of all those names, there's really that only guy in terms of Romano who you kind of depend on. And for Tyler Chatwood, I think how the Jays have managed his uh, workload since like uh, that that day in Cleveland on the Sunday, I think it's been really smart in terms of how they've brought him in. And Jacob, I think you touched on that uh, quickly as well. But even if you want to go back to his game log, um, 
prior to his appearance, I think it was in game two, uh, his his other appearance came uh, just a few days before, June 6th, here we go, and he came in just for one third of an inning. So he only came in for one out, and obviously I think that was kind of smart coming off of uh, one of his outings before where he got ro- uh, ro- knocked around pretty good. So he came out on June 6th, got one out, and then of course his his uh, second appearance came on June 9th, it was game in game two, and he threw his scoreless um, inning. So there you go for Tyler Chatwood. Slowly getting there. I don't know if we're going to get we're there just yet, but either way, it goes back to what we've been saying all year in terms of the injuries. He's got nobody else in terms of who you're going to throw in. And I, I, I question people who, in that situation, who you wanted Montoya to bring in instead of Thornton in, in that inning. So I'm just looking now, and I, I don't see anybody else that I'm confident with coming in in that situation right now, unfortunately. And that's why a lot of people tend to not even look at that. You just see someone like Trent throw it on the mound and you go, why is he in the game? Bad decision by Charlie Montoyo. But how many, how much people are actually thinking about the decision and what comes behind it and what, you know, the circumstances that surrounds it. And going back to the, the offense, going one for 12 and runners in scoring position, like all of that doesn't add up. And all of that isn't on Charlie Montoyo. I don't know if you want him to start swinging a bat for you or whatnot, but either way, and especially with the bullpen that's injured, like who else do you want to bring in? And that, I think that's where it gets as simple as that in terms of people questioning his decision on that. You know, are people uh, healthy or are people rested? That also comes in to factor when you're making these decisions. So Trent Thornton is somebody who probably hasn't had a lot of work over the last week and he probably wanted to bring him in compared to somebody else who's been throwing 30 pitches prior. I mean, I it makes sense to me and I, I don't disagree with it at all. Just because as well, to touch on it, the offense's performance before that. Yeah, and the last thing to mention on this is just the Blue Jays are a team that's constructed to out-hit their opponents. They're not a team that's going to out-pitch their opponents. The goal of this team, the purpose of this team, the way this team wins is to rack up hits, rack up runs. So to put the expectation of winning for a lot of fans on the pitching and on the bullpen is just unreasonable when they're not built that way. So when your team is going 1-for-12 with runners in scoring position and only scoring one run, there's no way around it. It's the offense's fault. That's not to say the offense is bad. It just didn't perform this one game. So we can't blame this on the pitching staff when you only score one run. So that's my big frustration with a lot of people who are saying it's Montoya's fault again. And again, you look at even like Thursday's game, yesterday's game, 6-2, or sorry, 5-2 loss, um, Yes, the pitching did falter a little bit. Yes, Ryu did give up three runs in that first inning. Yes, coming out of the bullpen, Payamps and Castro gave up a run each. But you look at the offense, they had eight hits. Chicago only had seven hits, but Chicago scored three more runs. So, I mean, you look at the situations, this is a team that has to hit to win. And if they're getting eight hits and not being able to score them, that's the offense's fault. It's not the pitching's fault that they lose that game. But let's talk about Hinjin Ryu because um, his past three starts haven't been ideal. Going back to that start in Cleveland where he gave up a few runs in the first inning. He got roughed up against the Astros for I think it was seven earned runs. And then this start gives up three runs in the first inning. Settles down, has a good outing besides that. But again, the final line not looking good. His ERA is hiking up start by start and... One thing I do want to mention is Sportsnet's Nick Ashbourne put out an article about Ryu and some of his underlying numbers, and it's been kind of a cause for concern for a lot of people since the article came out. And looking at the average exit velocity off Ryu over the last four years, going back to 2018, in 2018, he was in the 92nd percentile for exit velocity. That bumped up to the 93rd percentile in 2013, uh, excuse me, in 2019, but then in 2020, it bumped down to 73rd percentile. And then this year, so far, it's down to the 65th percentile before yesterday's start. And then same thing for the hard hit rate. You look at it, he was 93rd, bumped down to 89. Last year, he was at 90, but then this year, he's at the 66th percentile in uh, in all of baseball for the hard hit rate off of his pitches. So that, combined with the fact that his last three starts have been a little bit rough, are you concerned with Hinjin Ryu? Are you concerned that he might not be the ace that we thought he was in the Blue Jays rotation moving forward? Or do you think this is just a few rough games? You look back at Cleveland, it was cold weather, it was raining. 
you look at at the Astros, they're one of the best offenses in baseball. Is this something that you just kind of gloss over, or do you think there are underlying concerns with this? Well, first off, we also need to remember that Hyunjin Ryu's personal catcher, Danny Jansen, was not in the game yesterday because he's on the IL. And I'm, I'm credit to Riley Adams. I think he did a good job with him, but that's not Danny Jansen. And I, that's just, I think, the uh, kind of the issue there is that his catcher wasn't there. But I'm... so. I'm not necessarily willing to say that he's falling off. I I think we should wait until Danny Jansen comes back off the IL. So maybe one or two more starts, see how those two work together. And then we can make a decision because I think it's, it's a bit of an understatement to say that the two are, are comfortable together. I mean, they've, I think that's the only start that Ryu's made without Danny Jansen in the regular season or the postseason. Uh, so in terms of that, that's what I'll do. I'll wait till then. But one thing I did look at is his game log, and his walks and strikeouts are a bit concerning over his last three starts when compared to the regular or the rest of his season. Now, normally, throughout pretty uh, basically up until the start against Cleveland, he had only really walked one batter or no batters in every appearance. Whereas in, against Cleveland, he walked two, he walked three against the Astros, and he only walked one yesterday against the White Sox, but still a little bit of a trend there that I'm not happy with. And then even his strikeouts. Normally, he was striking out anywhere from five to seven, uh, even eight a few times. But in his last three starts against Cleveland, he did strike out six. But then he's only struck out one against the Astros and three against the White Sox. So numbers are a little bit different, not what we've typically expected off of him. Hits have not overly been different. I mean, hits, he, he can allow anywhere from three hits, two hits, five hits, so even eight hits. So I'm not really worried about that, but... I'm noticing his command is a little bit off, and, and we see saw even in Cleveland, he had, I think, the bases loaded twice in the first inning, and it's just he hasn't looked, I, I think, the way we've expected him to look, and he hasn't been able to get himself out of those jams. I mean, he did get out of jams in, in yesterday's game, and he finished off pretty nice, but that first inning was ugly, and I'm not, another reason why I'm not fully against or fully worried about him is because in that first inning I'm sure we all saw it Lourdes Gurriel Jr. took a bad route to the ball it dropped and had he caught that the inning could have been completely different there would have been no runner on second base and maybe he would have only allowed one run or no runs so I mean Blue Jays probably still would have lost that game even if he didn't but point still stands that there are underlining factors to say that maybe he wasn't as bad as his numbers show yesterday but at the same time, as you brought up, Mark, there are things to prove that he is getting hit a little bit harder than than you'd expect this season. And he's just he's he's not had it at all or not had it completely this season. Not not at all. But he hasn't been the, the Hunjin Ryu that we've expected to see. And I think that he expects him to see because he's Ryu is a competitor and he, he wants to be good. But he just he hasn't been as good this season. Uh, and I'm still willing to wait, like give him one to two starts with Danny Jansen back to see who he's able to or see if he's able to rebound and then we can get a bit of an idea because I mean like it or not Blue Jays have him for two more seasons so they have to work with him and and we saw also we saw last year or last night actually with with some of the catchers people were asking why didn't you you pinch hit for this guy or do this and it's like well we don't have any other options in the game and you know you even with Gurriel you want to uh, criticize his defense but like he's their starting left fielder so that they Blue Jays just have to work with him and that's I think what they have with Ryu, Ryu they just have a guy that's struggling a little bit and they'll work through it like he's a, he's obviously an ace for a reason and he's he was very good with the Dodgers for many years so I'm I'm not worried yet if after three more starts this continues after Danny Jansen comes back and he's still getting hit a little bit harder than yes I think there's something we can look into but as for right now, let's just pray that this was just a little bit of a blip and he'll come back and he'll be the ace that we, we truly do expect him, especially with the season or with the with the season starting to look a little bit easier for the Blue Jays playing, as I mentioned earlier, the, the Baltimore Orioles, I think almost 20 times in the next couple months. Hopefully, I mean, he's bound to have a few starts that line up there. So give him some time. He's faced fantastic opponents the last couple starts and really all season. So have the Blue Jays, but We'll, we'll let him kind of even things out, and th then I think we can make a bit more of an, an accurate assumption of what he is. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think we're going to—I'm going to have to wait a little bit longer before I decide 
in terms of something's wrong with him. I know he, he has been under tough circumstances. You mentioned the, or one of you mentioned the Cleveland start, of course. The Houston one, on the other hand, I don't really give him much of a, a pass on that or like an excuse. I just think he didn't have it that day. And I think, uh, I think everyone agrees with that. Six turn runs in five and two thirds. And it just, it didn't go well at all. And of course, yesterday in, um, in Thursday's game, in terms of the series finale, there was that one play by Lord Scurriel, like you mentioned, Jacob, and I do think that could have changed the entire um, outing for him, or it, it could have easily changed, for his sake, the inning, because other than that, he was fine, like I mentioned, and he kind of settled down and kind of looked a little bit more comfortable, so that's why I'm not too uh, worried from what I saw, but either way, Mark, you were going over his numbers from previous years, and... Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not totally surprised. There's a bit of a drop off. Like, I mean, he's obviously 34 years old, so now he's getting into his mid 30s, and if he's going to drop off, it's going to be a little bit. And it's it seems normal for me. But either way, going back to 2020 as well, he definitely is striking out a lot of uh, people or a lot of less people. His strikeout percentage is four uh, percent down. It was at 20. It was at 26.2 last year, and this year it's only at 22 percent. And then his walk rate is actually less than what it was. Uh, last year, but 20, 2019, it was better than what it was in 2021, if that makes sense. So uh, it's just, he's had some good in things where he's been better than previous or from last year. And then he's had things where obviously it hasn't been the greatest. And like I mentioned uh, just now, his strikeout percentage is obviously lower. So if he's going to regress, I'm not, I'm not like surprised by it, but either way, I, I still think there's where we may be looking a little bit too much into it, just a little bit for now. He's obviously the race, and the Jays need him. Like, they, they really do need him right now. It's just, you know, they can't be affording for this to happen every five days when he comes out and starts. And um, I think he knows that, so hopefully we can, or he can start figuring it out and kind of get things under control. But either way, it's just, it just seems to be a tough two weeks overall for the Jays. And, you know, this maybe the difficult schedule is obviously playing a, an impact in that. And maybe the thing like somebody, Hunjin Ryu, needs is the schedule to kind of ease up on him. And I think pretty much the entire team and bullpen needs that as well, just for a little bit. So, and it, even before that, it's been one of the toughest schedules in baseball. I believe it was the hardest ranked schedule in baseball. So you have to take that into account in terms of the teams they've been playing. And of course, where they sit currently in the AL East. But, you know, if, if Hunjin Ryu decided to, I guess, maintain this performance for the next few months, at the, which is the worst case scenario, it would be horrible for the Jays because of how much they need him. And of course you have... You know, other than him, you have Robbie Ray, uh, you have Alec Manoa now, Stephen Matz, and then Ross Stripling. And a lot of those guys, you know, you're iffy about in terms of trusting. I think Robbie Ray would be the only guy where you can flat out say without even hesitating that that's another guy that you rely on heavily. And Alec Manoa is getting to that point, but of course he still needs to pitch more for us to start believing that. And then you have two wild cards near the end in terms of Ross Stripling and Steven Matz. You don't know what they're going to bring out. They've been, they've had good starts. They've had bad starts. We know what either, both of them look like. One's kind of pitching better than the other currently, and then one started better. So those two guys right there are question marks. And if you take out Hunjin Ryu, and in terms of his performance, that could be another question mark. And then, of course, then you're only relying on Robbie Ray, and that's not fair to Robbie Ray. So that it's just, it's it's when you look at it and when you look deep into it, and then if you wonder down the line if this happens and you know the impact that this could have on the team, it's not good. So, and I know Danny Jansen's also on the IL, and it was his first in or first game uh, with a new catcher. It was, and it was Riley Adams in this case. But you know, they obviously the first inning went didn't go as planned. But other than that, I thought he settled down with Riley Adams behind the plate. So hopefully, um, within his next couple starts, he begins to feel more comfortable again. And like I mentioned, he's going to be obviously playing easier teams down the line. So that's going to be something to look kind of look at and um but in terms of his numbers and you know if I'm concerned right now I'm still not concerned I think it's just been a couple weeks of maybe mixed with bad luck but down the line um if this continues it's definitely going to be uh, a little bit of a concern if this goes into July or even the end of June so a couple more starts I do agree with you Jacob on that before we assess it again and um perhaps it was just a little blip and I mean that's the best case scenario I mean there's no other way to look at it in terms of if it, if it is a blip but right now, it's just you have too many question marks other than Ryu where this is could be bad if, if, if this is all true. Yeah, I, I don't want to think of the, the situation if this is, you know, just who he is now and the impact it has on the Blue Jays rotation. But again, like you said, we, to some extent, we should expect this. He's 34. He's aging. You know when you're paying someone in free agency, more often than not, you're paying for their 
performance in the last four years, not the next four years. You're paying for the past, not the future. And we know that's going to happen. We know in free agency you overpay for guys. Yes, they're still paying this guy $40 million over the next two years. But look, he's been fantastic the past year and a half, two years. So hopefully it comes back. And yes, the Blue Jays have been facing very tough teams. And he's going to have one more start against a competitive team against the Yankees, which you know, their offense hasn't been there. They kind of rebounded in this past series against the Twins, but we'll see how they hold up in that series against the Blue Jays. They're playing the Yankees from the 15th to 17th. That's in Buffalo. But then after that, he's kind of smooth sailing. They've got a series against Baltimore, series against Miami, another four-game set against Baltimore, and then they have Seattle coming to Buffalo. They have the Rays, so that's going to be a tough series, but then they have another series against Baltimore. Um, so they do have some easier times coming, and hopefully that eases up the pressure on Ryu, on the whole team in general. And um, one last thing to mention on the previous series, you mentioned it, Bryson, but Robbie Ray, we didn't talk about him, but he was fantastic. 13 strikeouts, no walks, and he only gave up one home run. Um, the home run's continuing to bite him, but honestly, if you're striking out 13 guys, I'm not going to complain about it. It's fine. Um, let's talk about the trade deadline. We've been hinting at it over the course of, you know, a little bit, but we know after this conversation, the Blue Jays need starting pitch. Like the Blue Jays need help both in the bullpen and in the rotation. That's just without a doubt where they need to improve. And we've known that since the start of the season that we know that now. And one of the names that has been mentioned uh, quite often, not just with the Blue Jays, but in terms of every team this offseason and at the trade deadline is Max Scherzer. He's a free agent after this season. He is an aging pitcher, but he's a starting pitcher. He's having a fantastic season, exactly what the Blue Jays need. Is there a chance the Blue Jays acquire him at the trade deadline? I know we have disagreeing views here, but I'll let you guys go first. Uh, you know, okay, so it, if this was 2015... I would say without a doubt you make an uh, an offer to the Washington Nationals. And uh, J.P. Morosi came out with uh, a, there was a quote by him. It said, with the Nationals out of contention, it will be, quote, hard to justify, unquote, keeping Scherzer. So it's clear that there's some interest. If you're out of it, you're, you're clearly not going to make the playoffs. Then why not get a return for one of the best pitchers in baseball and somebody who's been one of the best pitchers in baseball? The problem is, though, if the Blue Jays give up say Jordan Groshans or I don't know maybe Simeon Woods Richardson prospects highly ranked prospects or even guys on the major league team if you give those up at best you're going to get an ALCS run and that's the way I see it now I do think and I did say back in in January the Blue Jays are going to make the World Series but I'll be a little realistic here I considering what we're seeing on the field ALDS is probably the most likely scenario. I'm still going to keep that prediction just so I have bragging rights. But if, like, realistically, I think the Blue Jays at best are getting to the American League Championship Series. And that's not necessarily a bad a bad uh, placement. But if you're going to trade for that type of a pitcher and that quality of a pitcher and give up the quality of the return that the, the Nationals are probably going to expect, because even if it's hard to justify keeping him, you're not going to give him up for some, for not a very good return. And if you're the Blue Jays, it doesn't really make sense to trade for that type of a starting pitcher for half a season to maybe make it to the championship series. And if this was, say this was two years from now and they were on the brink of winning a world series, absolutely. You make this trade. He, Max Scherzer is probably that one piece that you need, but I think it's fair to say the Blue Jays need more than just starting pitching I mean, some of those things can be settled in-house, like the offense. Obviously, they have the pieces there. The bullpen, when they're healthy, they have the pieces there. But the rotation is probably the one thing that they do need outside help from. But even with that being said, I think this is probably... It's just... It's the right move, but it's the wrong time. And therefore, just it doesn't really make sense to me. And if this was a if this was a season where you're legitimately predicting a World Series win, then absolutely you take him. But considering that this is a season where they're most likely not winning the World Series, it doesn't really make sense for me to give up that type of return just to have a good playoff run. Because that just, it, it, we saw it in 2015, like, yeah, it was fun to to play in two playoff series, and obviously the bat flip was amazing, but 
if hindsight, if I could go back and not make some of those deals, I maybe would have, I mean, I would have reconsidered now. I mean, that, that was, what was it? Six years ago at this point. But point is, is I, I don't think that the return in terms of playoff performance would necessarily be worth it considering that I don't think the team is going as far as Max Scherzer could potentially take them. I'm sorry, but that 2015 playoff run, as much as it Hot lasted, pick. that I I would do that over and over again if I had the chance to do it. I would do I would do that a thousand times over, and they didn't like even the prospects that they gave up. Like what? Ha- like who do they like? Jeff Hoffman, right? They sent to the Rockies. Like yeah. it was what it. happened to him? I don't know. That Miguel Castro is another Daniel guy Norris. they moved, right? Matt Boyd Something happened with Matt him. Boyd. Yeah, Matt Boyd, yeah. I guess, was probably the biggest piece they gave up. And he, I think last year he had. Yeah. Who's the other one? It was Norris, right. too. Yeah, right. where's he I been? think he's kind of fallen off a little bit the past few years. But Matt Boyd, like, led baseball and earned runs allowed or something last year. So, I don't know. I'm not. I would do that 1,000 times over. But that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> and hang on, too. Hang on, And hold up, too. That, that team had the material to win a world series it's not like they were pretenders it did they they kind of lost we know that series and how it ended it was more like they lost it for themselves and i'm sorry but if they got through kansas city there was a legitimate shot there was and that's why i completely disagree with that and that is a spicy (laughs) meatball jacob but okay anyways uh moving forward and even if you want to compare like scenarios in terms of you know the jays right now they're not going to win the world series blah 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 well i'm sure they had the exact same thought in 2015 when they were what below 500 when they traded for troy to 50 and 51 at the trade and they trade for troy to david price we know the rest and we know the run they made so it can change just like that and we saw that we've seen it so that's why i'm not opposed to it and for Max Scherzer, obviously in 2015 you would do it. It would cost more, but he's not going to get traded in 2015. And that's why I like I look at it and I look at it now. And, you know, I know we're expecting or I know he's getting up there with his age is 36 and we're expecting the drop off. But it's not this year. I, I, don't, I don't know if you guys have seen his numbers from this year, but he's got a 222 ERA, a whip below one. And uh, in terms of that, that's that's trade bait right there. And he's got a war of two. So. With that fall off that everyone's predicting, it hasn't happened yet, and I know it eventually will, but maybe it's not happening in 2021. So, and then of course, if you want to look at that and make it a possibility for the Jays, I'm not saying they're going to go all in on him. Of course not. And this is kind of the first name we're hearing, and we are getting, we're starting to get to that point where we're going to hear a lot of names start to come up. The only one that we've really heard of for the Jays so far was the Barrios thing uh, last month, and then this one is the new player in terms of Max Scherzer, but. If you're the Blue Jays, like, why not? I, I don't understand. Well, why not try and, and inquire about him and maybe trade for him? I, I don't see the point of holding back. I really don't. I mean, when you look at it right now, the offense can be... Uh, I think the offense can be solved internally, but the pitching, and I think we, you guys can agree, and I think we've learned a lot in these couple... There's these three months now, at least, or these two months in a bit, is that... They need help. They 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 have to look outside for this. There's they've I think they've kind of used every possible scenario in terms of looking within the system with all the guys that have been up because of the injured list. You have no choice. You have to, if you if you want to make the playoffs. I don't know. And maybe the Jays don't do anything and they want to kind of sit on this year and then make another push next year. Maybe they decide to do that. But if they want to make that push this year, you have no choice. And if not, it's it's just not going to end well for them. So that's why I'm fully on board with. Um, them at least trying for Max Scherzer. And when you look at the Nationals too, I couldn't believe what I just saw now because I, I didn't even realize until now that they're 25 and 33 and they're la- they're tied for last in the NL East with the Na- uh, the Marlins. And they're seven games back right now of the Mets. And of course, you have competitive teams like the Braves there who have kind of been slow as well this year. But either way, there's also the Phillies. and um, But right now it's being led by the Mets who are 30 and 24. So it's definitely a division where they're starting to fall back a bit. And, you know, in terms of them, I don't know, maybe in, in, I know the Jays are kind of in a similar spot as them, but the Jays are obviously a lot better in terms of how many games back they are. But the Jays are starting to compete now. And I think the Nationals may be slowing down a bit in terms of the competitive window. But, you know, I, I understand, Jacob, if you don't think it makes sense. But the only thing I have to counter to you is like, like, why not? Like, who else would make sense then? Like, I just, you know, when you look at these guys that are going to be available, you don't have a pick your poison where you're like okay i want this guy i want this guy there's certain names that are only available based on the team it, it's really the team 
who are offering these guys and who are shopping these guys. And sometimes the Jays would maybe, maybe Max Scherzer isn't plan A, but maybe it's somebody that goes down their list and maybe it's somebody, one of the only guys available that they really like. And that's why it's a little different than free agency in terms of, I want this guy, this guy, this guy. There's only certain names available. And for Max Scherzer, like I mentioned, he hasn't slowed down. Like people are obviously predicting with his age. He's not, he's not like ever. I don't want to talk about like, he's a washed up scrub. Like he's not, he's not even close to that right now. I, I like his numbers are through the roof still through 12 starts with the nationals. And um, for a team that's 25 and 33, why would you keep him? And he is set to become a free agent. Maybe they do re-sign him. I'm, I'm not. I'm, that's way down the road. But you know, it, this is just a prime example for other names that are going to be coming up. Because I'm not just relating this to Max Scherzer. Because there's going to be so many names that come up, like I just mentioned. But why not? Like I, I don't understand. We've been sitting back since 2017. We've been re retooling slash rebuilding. We've been seeing people get um shipped out and of course people not coming back we've seen the old era of the jays we see the new era now of bichette biggio guerrero springer all of them and of course last year was kind of the first season since where they somewhat bought it was low risk deals we know the taiwan walker deals we know how they kind of gave up low prospects low level prospects a lot of deals for cash you know for a team that wants to win the world series you have to do more than that and I think last year it made sense from where they are because I'm not I'm not here to criticize what they did last year because I think last year was a great approach to the deadline in a 60-game season during a pandemic. So many s- scenarios that were up against them. And I, I, I completely agree with how they handled it last year. But this is a different year. And this is a year where you're starting to make that push. You signed George Springer. You have these guys, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., starting to hit it through the roof, somebody that we've been waiting for this to happen to. You have Bo Bichette. You have all these guys up for a fr- um, their first full season in the MLB. And it's a completely different mindset. You you have to consider these names. And I I don't want to pass up on these guys. And then if a trade happens for Max Scherzer, let's say he goes to the Yankees. Like, what happens when an AL East team trades for somebody like that? And I know nobody likes the Yankees, but everybody knows the Yankees are on on everybody. It's true. Everyone, you know, there's already rumors for Trevor Story. There's rumors, uh, rumors for a lot of people. You know, if you sit back and watch these guys go within your division, then what? I mean, the division's as hard as it is already. You know, you, you I don't know how conservative you be this year, but in terms of like not being interested, like I, I think you got to be interested in every pitcher available. I really do, especially the circumstances that the Jays are under right now with the injured list and just the lack of depth they really have right now. I think there should be interest. I just, I want to see what the Nationals are asking for them because if you're get, asking for two top prospects and I don't know, a major leaguer, I, I, I would find that a little hard to justify, but if you can get a an asking price within the Blue Jays' comfort zone, then sure, consi- then then they should consider it. But yeah, it just it yeah. depends on the price. Like, like I agree with both of you on this. Like, I agree with Bryson that it makes so much sense for the Blue Jays that you have to pursue it because, like, someone like Max Scherzer, he could really take the Blue Jays to the next level this year. It, it it'd be kind of like adding David Price at the deadline. It would be kind of that type of acquisition because Scherzer is just so, so good. And yes, like he's not the type of guy who's going to sign long term with the Blue Jays after the year is over. I know people hoped David Price would do that. We all know what happened with that. But he's not the type of guy who's going to do that. But at the same time, like he is so, so good. He could be that type of impact for the Blue Jays. At the same time, to Jacob's point, it's a two-and-a-half-month rental that's going to cost you a lot of prospects, a lot of talent, a lot of, um, you know, player time, a lot of, and like, the future for the Blue Jays, essentially. It's going to cost you a lot to get this guy, and you know the Nationals aren't going to want to move him because I think the Nationals want to re-sign him after this year, so it's going to take a lot to take him off their hands. So I agree with both of you on that. In all honesty, I think the Blue Jays will pursue other guys. I think if we're looking at guys this offseason, even just the two that we know that they're kind of interested in, in Max Scherzer and Jose Barrios, it's going to be Barrios if you have to choose one of them because Barrios is younger. He has more years of um, uh, of team control. That's the type of player that the Blue Jays are looking at. They just aren't in that win-now mode yet. They, I, I know they're really close to it. They've signed George Springer, but I still think they're a year or two away from winning now and really going all in to win a World Series. I, I think that's just the, the reality of the situation the Blue Jays are in. So, yes, Max Serger would be amazing, but I think his price tag is probably going to be a little bit too high. Doesn't mean the Blue Jays shouldn't be interested or shouldn't pursue it. 
just means it might be a little bit unlikely. Yeah, and uh, that's obviously what's going to be the difference maker. And who knows what they ask for. It's an expiring contract. But yeah, I think that is a a decent comparison for a David Price-like trade. And of course, we also have to remember now, you're under a different front office. So would they be willing to give up as much as somebody like Alex Anthopoulos would have been? Probably. It would probably be a little bit different in terms of the farm system in terms of how aggressive you are. But yeah, I'm just I'm just kind of relating to the point for all these guys because I don't want to see all these guys come up and then we have the same conversation and then you pass on all of them. But I don't think that's the case. I think that's the worst case scenario. But yeah, we're getting we're just we're getting closer. It is stepping stones. We are getting closer. But I think you in a way you have to approach this year's trade deadline a lot differently than you did last year. Like willing to give up more guys or higher level prospects for better players. So that's why that's the jump I want to see, and that was the point I was trying to make, that you have to make that slow jump. Like you said, Mark, you're a couple of uh, years away still, but you still have to you know, take that stepping stone in terms of the trade deadline as well. So that was the point I was just relating it to. And Scherzer's just obviously example A, because he's one of the big names that we have are beginning to hear right now, and he's the only one that we've kind of heard other than Barrios, like we just mentioned. So, so many more to come throughout the rest of June and in, into July, obviously. So it, it's going to be very interesting to see how they do it. And especially this year in terms of the injuries and I guess just how depleted the bullpen is. It's one of the years where I'm very like intrigued to see how they're going to approach this in terms of Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro. So that's, that's the one thing I look at and it, it is going to be interesting to see, but somebody like Max Scherzer, you know, definitely try and, kick tires and who knows what they asked for him for but he's on an expiring contract and if the nationals are going to start slowing down now you know I, I don't know if he stays i you know that's obviously a whole different conversation but yeah i didn't i also wasn't aware until just now that they wanted to re-sign him so this is kind of all kind of getting new in terms of the rumor mill for max scherzer so it'll be interesting interesting to see how this all kind of transpires in the next couple months yeah it's all just kind of speculation but from what people understand, they Max Scherzer wants to stay, to stay with the Nationals. The Nationals want him to stay there. And, you know, maybe they trade him and then sign him again in the offseason. Who knows? But definitely be interesting. Certainly going to be interesting to look at the Blue Jays' approach to this trade deadline. If uh, the Nationals pull a, a New York Yankees with a Roldis Chapman, that would just frustrate the heck out of me. Especially, <laughs> like, if he comes to the Blue Jays and it's like, okay, we give up all these prospects and then he, he goes back to that team, it's like, can we have the prospects back, please? But anyway, like th- that would be funny. Um, it would, it would like obviously a, suck, but like a Robbie Ray, right? Yeah. <laughs> Blue Jays trade him, mm-hmm. trade for him. They send who was it? Travis Bergen and uh, cash considerations. And they just get Travis right back. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see the approach. Um, related somewhat to Max Scherzer is a kind of off topic thing that we wanted to end today's podcast with, which I'm sure, you know, everyone in the baseball world has their own opinion about this, but sticky substances, um, I mean, everyone's talking about it. Max Scherzer is one of those guys who was named in a lawsuit by a former Angels clubby um, to have used sticky substances um, and other guys on that list, notable for the Blue Jays, Tyler Chatwood, of course, Garrett Cole is someone that everyone knows. And I... Everyone has their own opinion on this, but I'll just say I don't think it's that big a deal. I don't think – I think we're making a whole big mess out of nothing. Um, like People are comparing this to the steroid scandal for baseball. It's nowhere near that. This is something that's a very gray line that has been – a lot of pitchers have walked up to the edge of it. Maybe in the past few years, pitchers have been stepping over the edge of it, but it's something that's been allowed for a century of baseball. It's been an unwritten rule that you can use sticky substances, and yes, over the past few years, it's transitioned from being used to control the baseball and make sure you're not beating someone in the head to getting more RPMs, getting more movement on your pitches, and yes, that's an important distinction, but I don't think it's that big a deal. I... As much as I would love Garrett Cole to get suspended for a year for using spider tack or whatever it is, I don't think he should. I don't think I, I don't villainize him or hate him because he has been using this substance because it's not been enforced. It's not been you know, he's just following the unwritten rules, basically. Did he take it too far? Probably. Have a lot of pitchers taken it too far? Definitely. But 
I don't blame him. I don't think it's that big a deal. And I think the solution to this is very, very easy. I think you say, okay, pine tar, rosin, sunscreen, that's it. You're allowed those three substances to control the baseball. That's it. You maybe grandfather some of these pitchers in. That solves the problem. To me, it's not a big deal. I don't know what the big mess everyone is making out of it. And I know it's kind of sensational and fun to look at Garrett Cole and make fun of these big pitchers who everyone hates because he's on the Yankees and he used to be on the Astros. But I don't think it's that big a deal. I don't know what you guys think, but I think everyone's reading a little bit too much into it, getting a little bit too excited. Yes, maybe it's a big controversy in baseball right now, but I honestly don't think five years down the road that we're going to be looking back at this year and thinking, whoa, like that was a big controversy for baseball. I think it's just something that's a passing craze. Interesting take. Um, well, first of all, I don't think we can. I don't, I don't think we can get. Uh, we can single out Garrett Cole. Yes, he's probably someone that's u- used certain substances, and yes, his interview was hilarious. But I don't think that it's only him that we can signal out. I, I, there's obviously probably a lot of other guys, even guys that we haven't heard of, that have most likely used it. So. I'm just going to say it's not all on Garrett Cole. He's, it's not like he's going to be on the cover of of the the sticky stuff era in baseball. I don't even know if that's how you want to put it. But yeah, I, I'm of the mindset that the only thing that pitchers should be able to use is the rosin bag. I think everything else is a, is most likely a little bit too much. And Josh Donaldson too. Like that's interesting. He's he's come out and he's called guys out and said, you know, your RPM has has legitimately improved and therefore this is performance enhancing Uh, but the one thing that i won't that i won't do is compare this to the steroid era because anabolic uh, testosterone anabolic steroids that stuff once you put that in your system that's a lot different than than you know touching your neck and getting a bit of stuff on your neck yeah and with steroids like it was way bigger than baseball like you had congressional Mm -hmm. hearings about steroids no one outside baseball cares about sticky substances Mm -hmm. and uh, I, I don't know if I'm correct on this, but I'm pretty sure anabolic steroids are illegal anyways. So, you know, that's obviously not good. But point is, is th- this isn't as as big of an issue as the steroid era, but it's something that does need to be controlled. And it, it I think it does eventually need to start becoming or be enforced. Maybe it's every, every inning, as some guys have, have started to suggest. Maybe it's randomly twice a game. But I think the only thing that guys should have is the rosin bag because obviously it's provided by the league. It's behind the mound for a reason. You're allowed to use it. But I think everything else is a little bit too much. Like the only thing that you can't enforce is spit. Although I don't really know how how much of an enforcement you can do on that because guys are you know hacking all over the field. But like I. I that is the only thing that I would kind of say is whatever you can use it like use the rosin bag and that's pretty much it but enforce the rest I I think like imagine how odd it must feel like yeah I'm going into the Rogers Center for a day game with the dome closed and I'm bringing my sunscreen like obviously everyone knows what that's being used for so that's the only things those are the only things that I would say no don't use those but when it comes to the other stuff like the rosin bag that's okay and one last thing is I'm I'm going to bet that Garrett Cole does not get suspended. I think this will just be a big controversy where guys are, are where the league comes out and says, you know what, this is getting enforced. No more of this anymore. And someone's suspended. But if Garrett Cole suspended, then I think it's unfair to not suspend the rest of the league or the rest of the pitchers that have done it and do a thorough investigation because it's not just him. And that's all I'll really say there. It's just, it's interesting topics it's controversial i know a lot of people even on blue jay central have differing opinions but that's where i'm at it's 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 obviously not a good thing but it's not the you know it's not the it's not the the absolute worst thing that could be happening to baseball it's just it's something that needs to be dealt with yeah um i'm kind of more on your side jacob in terms of if i agree with it or not and you know, obviously the steroid era was completely different because like Mark, you mentioned that kind of transpired with everybody, you know, for Canadian fans in terms of the Olympics, everything, everyone remembers the Ben Johnson story where he won. And of course, uh, positive tests for whatever the heck PED he was using kind of made him disqual- get disqualified, get banned from all of that. So yeah, this was bigger than baseball, but in terms of sticky stuff, yeah, this is 
strictly baseball and you know I I don't know I'm I'm kind of more on Jacob's side on this cuz I don't know how I feel about these pitchers continuing to use this stuff and if Garrett Cole is using this stuff and if if people are fine with it then why was he so defensive and why did he answer the way he did in that that uh, that interview so that's the where, where I look at it and say hey you know if it was never against the rules then why were you so opposed to using it and now obviously I don't think they're going to get suspended now I mean we, we saw the same thing with Trevor Bauer earlier in the year with that like the the suspicious baseballs he was using so um you know all of that obviously you can't really prove it as much as that Garrett Cole interview kind of gave you the answer you can't really prove it so they're obviously not going to use it as much anymore or if any or they're going to try to be even more cautious using it it's going to be pretty hard to prove now because of the crackdown that they're going to begin to start implementing within the next couple of weeks but I go back to the Fernando Tatis interview I think it was last earlier this week and um, he was asked about it and obviously coming from the one of the best hitters in the league and in the game and somebody who's kind of changing the sport and becoming the face of uh, the MLB is he pretty much said that he's seen pitches this year that he's never seen in his life like some, like the movement that he has seen isn't even close to what he's used to seeing and something that's brand new to him. So in a way, like how is that fair to a hitter? Like that's why, you know, you, you talk about strikeouts being up, you talk about all this hits being down, you know, maybe that obviously has something to do with the baseballs that these pitchers are using. And, you know, I just, I would prefer for them to pitch properly I mean, I know that they've always used stuff for their grip, and I completely understand the purpose for it. And that goes to your point, Mark, in terms of why people use it, blah, blah, blah. They obviously want to have a better grip, but is it overused by a lot of people? I think we know the answer to that. So, But a lot of people, too. A lot of people think uh, it's pretty divided. Like, we know Mark's side. We know other people's side more like us, Jacob, in terms of people being against it. But it's just so hard to... I guess, crack down on. Like, I feel like even when they implement these things, it's going to be hard to prove still. Like, that's why I don't know how much is really going to change. Is this more a lot of just chatter from the media in terms of what Mark was mentioning, how this thing's kind of blown up over the past week? You know, how is this really going to be implemented? Like, I kind of, I'm kind of curious to see how they're really going to handle it and see how much they really catch. I, I, I really don't know. So, but either way, um, you know, a, a lot of stuff being used and, it's 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 a tough it's a tough call because I, I see both sides of it, but I just you know, for, for hitters who are seeing things that they've never seen before, I just if you want to put yourself in a, a hitter's shoe and I guess if you want to go on team Josh Donaldson, like because Donaldson called it performance enhancing. So, you know, do I agree with that? I, I, I still don't really know, but that's pretty harsh for him to say that and, and that's why a lot of people took note of how he called he called out Garrett Cole following that in terms of his spin rate. So Donaldson sees it as a PED or performance enhancement, whatever. Not it's obviously not a drug, but performance enhancement. And a lot of pitchers or a lot of people don't see it; just see it as just a tool that they use to help them pitch. And what's wrong with it? So I, I think most of it, though, if you want to conclude it, is that it has been blown up by the media a lot over this past week. Like it, it has been insane with the amount of chatter that this has uh, created. And just to be clear, I'm not saying. I don't think this is unfair. Like, it is an unfair advantage for pitchers. It should be regulated. What I'm saying is I don't blame pitchers for taking advantage of it. I don't blame... Like, there was no clear rule that said, don't use spider tech. Like, yes, it says no foreign substances on the baseball, but pitchers have been using foreign substances for 100 years. So where do you draw the line? I don't blame guys like Garrett Cole or Tyler Chatwood, or Max Scherzer over the past five years saying, look, there's no clear rule against this. It hasn't been enforced. This is a clear advantage we can get. Let's use it. I don't blame these guys for seeing a gray line that isn't fully enforced and saying, I want to take advantage of this competitive advantage that I can get. I do not blame guys for doing that. Yes, should be enforced. Yes, we should stop using it. Yes, because... You know, the, the, the hitters need an advantage in this league right now because pitching is dominating them 100% of the time. But I don't blame the pitchers for taking advantage of it. Um, if anything, it's on Major League Baseball for not enforcing it, for not making these rules earlier. Um, and that's who I blame. Because if you're a pitcher, if you're paid for doing a good job and this substance that's not enforced can make you do a good job, by all means. Steroids, different conversation. Illegal, also bad for your health. 
like, and also not allowed in other sports besides baseball before baseball started cracking down on it. Totally different conversation for steroids. But this wasn't enforced, wasn't clearly against the rules. I don't have a problem with it. I I do have a problem with it, but I don't blame pitchers for using it. All right, I think we'll wrap it up there. Thank you to everyone who tuned into this episode. And if you disagree with any of our opinions, add us on Twitter or comment on our Instagram post. You can follow us at Section138Pod. Um, you can stay up to date with everything we're doing on YouTube as well, where we post um, video versions of our episode. You can rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts, which just helps spread the word about what we're doing. And then finally, we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash section138pod. You can help support what we're doing there. All right, thanks for listening. Hopefully next week we have a few Blue Jay wins to talk about, but we'll catch you.